Hi, welcome to our Ask a Pastor podcast and uh, content that we deliver some different through different means. Uh, if you have questions, send them to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com. We'd be happy to interact with them. Today I am joined by Emily Roberts, who serves as our Director of Kids Ministry here in Wexford, a very pregnant Emily. And uh, tell us about when your babies do and, uh, yeah. and what your plans are. So I am 30 weeks, 31 okay. on Tuesday. Okay, Babies. so when people hear this, it'll probably be a little sooner. So when, when's your actual due date? June 18th. June 18th, you're mm -hmm. going to be having your first baby. Yes, Congratulations, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, and, thank uh, you so much. Yeah, we doubled, we got two checks, so we're pretty sure it's a boy. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Well, that's uh, generally, it's from what I understand, when you think it's a boy, you're right. You can be fooled by the girl uh, sometimes. It's is what I've understood. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. Well, uh, we have a lengthy question. It's kind of a follow-up question to a question we dealt with in a previous uh, podcast, but you don't need to understand all the backstory to that. But here, here's how this question reads. I know that there's already been an episode on this. However, I have a question that didn't get answered in Joel's answer in episode seven. Uh, and this is around uh, infertility and some issues like that. And this person says, I'd also like a lady to answer this rather than a man. So we are a fully cooperative podcast here. We have Emily um, <laughs> to, to answer that. Just saying it's a completely different viewpoint. Not that, I, not that Joel did not, answer, uh, did not do the question justice, nor that the question wasn't answered. It's just hard to relate to the answer from a man about a woman's issue. I understand that infertility is rooted in pain, mistrust, and shame. However, as a young adult, is there a different level of those emotions that someone who is married would have? That being said, 1 Timothy 2, verse 15, uh, Paul says uh, to Timothy that a woman will be saved through childbearing. How does this apply to someone who's infertile and does not have the ability to bear children? I understand that saving grace only comes through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. So, so there's probably at least two different questions there, and that is, is kind of this emotional question about the idea of infertility rooted in pain, mistrust, and shame. Um, how do those different emotions play if I'm married versus not? Mm. And then uh, the first Timothy too. So, mm -hmm. so, uh, so Emily. Yes. So um, we'll start with the emotional response. Yeah. Um, it, obviously, it's easy, you know, it's easy for me to go personal here, a personal response because mm -hmm. of just my experiences. And so I'll be 34 this year and this okay. is my first child. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I do not know the feeling of infertility of that. I do mm -hmm. not know the feeling of knowing I will never... Mm -hmm. be able to have a child. Um, I do know what waiting feels like, mm -hmm. and I do know what pain of, is this ever going to happen feels like. Mm. So I was trying to, um, I don't want to be insensitive to the infertility issue. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also know that there is an element of, um, uh, you know, waiting pain, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I remember being 25 years old and being at a baby shower mm no boyfriend, no, not, you know, mm -hmm. nothing really in sight, knowing that there was maybe wondering if there was ever going to be a time right. when I would have a family. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a desire of mine. And crying as I'm leaving this baby shower yeah. with this deep desire that was just painful mm. um, and, and wondering, is this ever going to happen? And I mean, now I'm almost 10 years out having my first mm -hmm. child, really, you know. 
And so um, I remember the shame, the pain, thinking, oh, gosh, I must not have it. You know, Mm -hmm. I must not be the wife material. I must not be the mom material. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe God, it it does become a question of, is God, does God see something that I don't see about Mm -hmm. myself? Or Mm -hmm. um, asking all those kinds of questions and wrestling with that. Right. Um, I also know that I I had to work really hard again and again. It didn't really, I, I don't know that it got easier. Um, but I got to a place where I was able to say, um, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm wondering, but I also know that there are other ways that I am serving God, mm. you know, by not, you know, cause sometimes I think we uphold this standard of wife and mother mm-hmm. is the ultimate, maybe more so in the mm-hmm. church where we say, this is when you have arrived and you're, mm-hmm. you know, calling as a woman or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've heard that from people. Um, and so I had to get to a place where I was saying that my calling is a lot of, is a lot of different mm-hmm. things. Um, and I, I know, for instance, that pouring myself into, into other uh, friendships in the community and serving in different purposes did help to reorient mm-hmm. some of my focus rather than on, I don't have this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's like I wrestle with, I don't want to minimize the pain of infertility because it's different than what I went mm-hmm. through. Um, so, so what would you say to somebody who is dealing then with yeah. infertility yeah. from uh, um, addressing the emotions? I mean, I know you can identify personally with some of it, but yeah. obviously now you're about to have a baby. Exactly. So, so, so what would be your counsel, your wisdom, your 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 hope for somebody in that situation. Yes. So I would really encourage women to find other women who've gone through this Mm. at first. Mm -hmm. I think that um, there is something so unique in this experience that you will probably drive yourself crazy in conversation if you don't have someone who Mm -hmm. has walked through it. Um, I also think that um, it will be really it would be important to have people who are going to encourage, you know, the other things in your life mm-hmm. that are God has has uniquely gifted you with mm-hmm. that, you know, is your beautiful contribution to the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. because I think it can come to a place where it just becomes disparaging and mm-hmm. discouraging. And so I think finding people who've walked that road, yep. really seeking those people out, yep. hearing from them um, and seeking counsel in that way, because it is, I imagine it's just a, a painful road. And if you don't have folks who get it, right, it could be very frustrating. Right. No, absolutely. Is that fair? That is. So So uh, speak for a moment about the Second Timothy 2, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is kind of a, a weird text in that it says that you know women will be saved through childbirth. What, mm-hmm. what, what do you what, what do you do with that? Well, I was I was telling you, Kurt, just before this, that I've never given this passage mm-hmm. a ton of thought. So this was good for me, a good exercise for me to walk through. At first glance, it's like what you know I could understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really have to we really have to understand the context mm-hmm. of the passage. Yep. Uh, we can't just pull that verse out and figure out what it means on its own. And so um, as I dug a little deeper, I was, I was learning the context of the passage um, is around male and female roles in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Leadership mm-hmm. Um, and pieces, uh, those sorts of pieces. And then I came across to um, 
three different interpretations, really, that we're understanding this passage in different ways. So, of course, we also have the context of Eve being mentioned here, Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve. I know that some folks would say, well, Eve, the original sin was there. Mm -hmm. Um, Childbirth became terrible. Mm Lord help me, Jess, <laughs> looking towards that. Um, we have drugs now. <laughs> we have that. drugs. Epidurals make Lots it much easier. Lots of women easier. through history have yes. much more suffering <laughs> in this way. So, Not to minimize, but yes. <laughs> it's a different ballgame these days. So, um, so Eve, we have to consider Eve here. Um, and, you know, folks would say, okay, um, and, and what's the... What's verse 15 again? How does 15, it stated? So, so, so let me just read, uh, yeah. read a portion of this. Um, Verse 12, it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet, which you're saying, again, is a reference to, to church context. Um, verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Verse 14, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Verse 15, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this is one we don't want to take out of context because <laughs> we'll have a lot of angry. I mean, I think if, if, if folks who are not, not Christians would mm-hmm. be like, this is right. so old school. Um, but I think that, um, okay, so the context and Eve, understanding Eve, first of all, some folks would say that a woman will be saved is referring specifically to Eve and then Mary. Mm-hmm. Okay, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's one of the views. Absolutely. One of the views. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Eve was the original sinner who brought this upon us as women. And then Mary would be the one who would bear the Mm -hmm. Savior. Okay, one interpretation. Maybe common Mm -hmm. in the Catholic Church? Yeah, Uh, and beyond, but yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got into some language, Kurt, that you're going to have to help me with. Okay. Through, uh, Mm -hmm. through, we'll be saved through childbearing. And there's different understandings Mm -hmm. of what that word means and... But then the, I, I think where I might land with my understanding of this passage is the, one of the interpretations that states that not, a, not implying that all women will be mothers, mm-hmm. but for those who are, that is one of the means of making us more like Christ. Okay. Motherhood. So there was a ta- some talk of sanctification. Mm-hmm. So not that my child will save me. We know mm-hmm. from the whole story of scripture that Christ yeah. is the only saving yeah. element. Yeah. Um, but that childbirth, like other things, um, motherhood, marriage, mm-hmm. uh, our vocational callings, um, maybe different spiritual disciplines, there are ways that God uses to mm-hmm. sanctify us, to mm-hmm. make us more like Christ. Yeah. So that was my sort of, kind of where you came leaning. Down. Okay. Um, but I'm still really trying to, to wrestle with that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's definitely a verse that has spawned a lot of debate over a lot of years. And certainly pe- some will say, well, this is a reference to the birth of Christ even, and that that's how uh, humanity saved. The problem with that is, is women are no more saved through that than men. So, so, so that doesn't necessarily answer the question. Uh, there, there are some who would, who would kind of argue what you've argued, which is the idea that, that it works for your, your growth, but the word saved there is the same word that's used often for ultimate salvation. And it oh. seems to, to also deal with, uh, with this idea of propriety, holiness, and, and something you're doing, which that actually adds to what you're saying in that, in that you 
you are brought closer to Christ through um, the experience. Uh, I've heard it said, and I, I've joked about this at times, but uh, that getting married is like miracle growth for character defects. Uh, that, that some of the things that, that, you, that, that were already present when you get married, all of a sudden they, they get bigger. I think parenting's similar. Uh, when you have a child, um, you're forced to confront some things that you um, would not confront without a child. Mm. Uh, now, what's hard about that is for somebody who's dealing with infertility is they say, well, will I not have that same experience? Mm -hmm. And I think what you said earlier is, is there are other ways you can have that experience. So it isn't saying um, that this is the only way, but it's saying this is a way that God can do that. Now, again, what's hard is, is that really what that text is saying? Uh, certainly in the culture of that day, um, what would happen is a lot of times women were, um, they had a harder time making a life without being a mom. Mm. Um, and so that was a way that, that women made a life. And so maybe there was a cultural element to it, but, it, but either way that, that verse is, is not an easy verse to understand or mm -hmm. apply to this other than what it seems that, that is happening is that, is that God is saying through this text on a whole motherhood is something to be esteemed mm. and to be valued and to be cherished mm. uh, in the church and beyond. Um, mm -hmm. But but like anything, there are always exceptions. Mm -hmm. uh, and so infertility is, a, is generally an exception where it says, okay, even though that's esteemed and valued, um, that may not be something I get the chance to experience, mm. which, which that's hard. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard. And, uh, and And there are other things like that. I mean, again, some people would long for a marriage, never get married. Um, mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that we don't say marriage is good. Mm -hmm. uh, some of us would say health is good. Uh, some of us don't have good health. Um, mm. You know, we would say that work is that good. Work some is of us good. have lost our jobs. Or had never found a job that was fulfilling yes. uh, and that we enjoyed doing. And, and so, 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 so you still say something's good and right, even though it may not be universally experienced, mm. and that's part of, of what's hard. Now, now the question that, that follows this is, is infertility God's answer to generational sin? Mm. How, how do you answer that? I honestly really struggled with this part um, because I guess I, I wanted to find a way to answer it biblically and not mm -hmm. just say, because my, my personal or my guttural instinct would be no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but we've talked in the past about, you know, um, God is at work mm -hmm. in all things. Mm -hmm. And yet um, there is an element too of we live in a sinful er era. Mm -hmm. So not saying that this woman did something to deserve or did something that God said, okay, well, I'm just going to take this privilege from you mm -hmm. to, to bear children, but that sin um, is the era that we live in and it affects all things. It affects our bodies. Mm -hmm. It affects our reproductive systems. Um, so I, I guess I'm hesitant to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. um, yes, this is because there was some sin that has been in your family um, or you know, no, um, because I know that God sees all, all things. And we've talked about this before on a podcast and he knows, um, you know, what's really good for us and for our life's path. So 
Kurt, how do you reconcile that? <laughs> yeah, um, well, here, here's where this idea comes from. If you're not familiar kind of with the idea on a whole, um, Exodus 34, verse 7 um, says that God will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon their children and their children's children to the third and fourth generations. And so, and so some people have, have heard that and they've basically said, well, that's, a, that's an indication of this idea of generational sin, um, which means if I'm experiencing something, maybe it's because of, of my parents or my grandparents or, or yeah. somebody else who's done that and God's breaking a cycle. Uh, there are other verses, and, uh, and I probably should have looked these up ahead of time, and uh, we'll see if we can include these in the show notes uh, at the bottom, uh, but, but that seem to indicate that, that we take our own responsibility and God won't revisit the sins on future generations. And so it's one of those instances where the Bible says two things that appear to contradict, uh, where on one hand it says, there are some things that are going to be passed on and there are some things that, that you shouldn't have any uh, reason to correlate. Mm. And, and at least the way I understand that is that, is that it means not that, our, our typical way of thinking about things is to say it's an either or. It has to be one or the other. In other words, if I'm experiencing something, it's generational sin, I've got to break generational sin. Or there is no such thing and everything's up to me. And, and I would say the Bible often is better understood as a both hand, mm. meaning there are instances where sometimes you have things that, that are visited on you from past generations, but yet you still are completely responsible and there's no reason to, to assume that anything negative is a generational sin. So, so for example, um, you know, if you have a, a grandfather who is an alcoholic, yeah. um, well, that may not mean that you have any greater predisposition to alcoholism. In fact, I would say if you say, well, my grandfather was an alcoholic, therefore I'm going to be an alcoholic, it's inevitable, it's generational sin. I would say that's a really bad understanding mm. of scripture. But if you say his dysfunction crept into my mother's life, which now has crept into my life, and if I'm not aware of it, then I can repeat patterns that are negative mm. in my own marriage, in my own life, in my own parenting, then that's an example probably of generational mm -hmm. sin. I, I, I would hesitate to say that there's anything that is, is so definitive that was caused by past generations as your own infertility. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I don't, uh, that, again, that, that, that's a hard thing because you can't point probably to verses other than what we just did in terms of references yeah. that, that would say, here's how this works. But, but I'm, I, I would, if I were sitting with somebody who was asking the generational sin question, I would say it's an unanswerable question to you, so don't spend your time on it. What I would say is, is ask, what can I do now? What can I make right before God now? Mm -hmm. And how can I live my life to glorify him now? Mm -hmm. Rather than saying, is this because of something? Because how, how you answer that isn't going to change right. your current trajectory or anything about it other than saying, well, now I have somebody to blame. And, and along with this, and maybe, and I don't know the context of this question, but sometimes what, what we do is we want to say, well, well, there's a cause effect to everything. And so either I'm to blame because I did something or my parents are to blame and I'd rather blame generational sin because then I can feel off the hook like I didn't do it. And I'd say that's still not a great way to look at it. I don't believe that God... Although I believe there are consequences to choices we make, mm. um, 
I believe that they're usually within the realm of natural consequences. So for example, if I smoke for 50 years mm. um, and I get lung cancer, I'm not going to say, oh my goodness, God gave me lung cancer. Mm. Did, did God give me lung cancer? In a sense, yes, because I violated my body for so many years that, that I had an had a outcome. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, well, that was God acting in a vindictive way. So, so there are consequences, but I don't believe that, that God's consequences are typically God sitting around saying, well, I'm going to zap this person because of something they did over here and give them this hard thing. Yeah. I think we live in a broken, fallen world, and the reason we have things that are, are so hard is because of the brokenness of the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, if anything, I think we... We, we experience some of the brokenness, a lot of it we don't mm. because of the grace of God. Mm. Um, where we get ourselves in trouble, any of us, is we look and say, well, why, why can't I have different brokenness that I experience than that person? Yes. Because this is the thing that I want most. Yes. And, and then we start to, to question God, question ourselves, put ourselves in, in, in a harder situation to respond. Yeah, and it, I mean, we could really, you know, she asked a question about in vitro. Yeah, so, 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 so the other question is this, is this taking IVF injections considered usurping God's authority and sovereignty in one's life? And we uh, probably need to come back to that because we're almost out of time. But, oh, but, uh, got it. But, but go ahead and give a very quick answer to that, and maybe we'll deal with this again in a future podcast. You know, um, in light of everything you just said, um, and just my understanding of, of scripture and, um, even Christians in, in medicine and, uh, genetics and thinking through, cause this does get into science. A lot of issues. Yeah. There's a lot of different things there. Um, and no, <laughs> I don't think that that's trying to usurp God's right. authority. I think that if um, there are genetic issues. I've had friends who've had ovarian issues, uterine issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is a way that a doctor can help that along right. by using what you and your husband have right. <laughs> to grow a baby, I think that that, um, I don't see how that's contradicting right. um, with scripture and with our view as, as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of different roads we could probably go down um, with that conversation. Um, ethically and things yeah. like that, but I, in vitro in particular, no, I that would be my quick answer. So we're going to leave it there. We're yeah. going to give Emily the last word on that, but maybe what we'll do is try to come back and and rediscuss that specific issue in a future podcast because there's a lot of dynamics and complexity to that to yeah. that answer. But 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 thank you, Emily. And again, if you have questions that you'd like us to address, you can send them to askapastor@orchardhillchurch.com, and we'd be happy to address them in a coming episode. Thanks for taking part of your day with us here on this content.